Welcome to the Board Game Snobs Podcast. Critically harsh reviews with a touch of class. We do the do the intro again, Gabby. I'll do it. I'll say and go. Oh, but wait now. Yeah, do the intro. Introduce our guest. Oh, can do we it all ha- over again. We have a guest. You wouldn't okay. have to do it all over again if you hadn't like hit record. If you hit record, oh what happened? I may have hit the space bar or something on accident. All right. Well, now that the steam is out of my sails. That's so that's so appropriate. All right, here I go. You ready? As we've been recording for forty-five minutes, futilely. Today we have a true internet titan, not someone that just uh, shouts it from the rooftops about themselves, but someone that proves it with their actions. Someone that actually does things with their life. Um, they have an owner. Uh, we have the owner and proprietor of BeyondSolitaire.net, uh, the host of the Beyond Solitaire podcast, uh, the YouTuber of Beyond Solitaire, how to play solo videos, uh, also Dice Tower solo reviews. Uh, she hosted many of a daily chat that we were never invited to, Jerry. Just saying. I don't know if you remember that or not. Mm, uh, we have Liz Davidson on with us. Welcome, Liz. Hey, it's great to be here and chat with y'all finally. Yes, yeah. please act like you haven't been chatting with us for the past 45 minutes while Gobby didn't record anything. Thank you for being so gracious. So this is like your second podcast with us. Yeah, and welcome back. We can say welcome back. <laughs> yes, please feign interest in all the questions I'm about to re-ask you and give exactly the same answer so that I can make the same dry jokes over and over and over. So let me just go down the checklist. Number so I, one, I can close out oh. my Google Meats now, right? Or yeah, don't be don't be search, search searching for different types of meats. Okay, let me close that out. We're on this Zencast. Is like Groundhog right? Day, but for podcasts. <laughs> Bill. <laughs> oh Lord, let's see here. Let me dig through my notes. Let me dig through my notes. I think I asked her about her favorite video game, and then I zoned out. So what'd she say? Yeah, Liz, tell us about what currently you're playing. I did, I'm out of order. What, oh what's God. your favorite video game right now? No, this is going great. Keep it going. Hey, no. See, we're, we're rattled. We've never had this happen before. Usually we are professionals to the extreme. We usually rock the mic like a vandal, but we ruined it just now by me not recording. So... That's okay. I'm here to wax a chump like a candle. We got this. Liz is being very patient with us. We had discussed uh, Latin in great detail before, you know, everything was not recorded. Because she teaches Latin. Yes. At a school with hybrid kids. 
<laughs> yes. Yes. So for those of you who don't know what that means, I teach high school Latin, which means that I convince jaded teenagers that they like Latin and it is a job. Um, and right now, because of COVID, I'm teaching hybrid, which means that some of my students are in the actual classroom with me physically, uh, which depending on the class size can be terrifying or it's not too bad. Uh, and then the other half of the class is coming in on the computer. So let me ask you this, and this is, has to do with Latin. So do you like Westerns? Sometimes. Oh, you're thinking about Tombstone. Yeah. In, in vino veritas. I know what that means, but what's the rest of that stuff mean? Oh God, let me look up the actual dialogue. I don't remember. The I actual need to one. know. I need to know because that was that always bothered me because I I I know I should took just gone to the internet and looked it up. It was the internet goes Latin, up. So he was just making crude jokes. All right, so um, your yeah. mother smells like elderberry. <laughs> so basically, it's like stuff that they would have learned in school, essentially. Um, so in we know where it's is like in wine there's truth. Uh, quod August just means do what you do. Um, so that's let Appella the Jew believe, not I. I don't know what the cultural context is for that because it's awkward. I heard no ego. I'm pretty sure that the Appella is a person who's like very gullible in some work of satirical poetry, but I'm not totally sure about it. It's like it's basically saying that you're very gullible. So let let that gullible person believe that, not I. Let's see. What's the other ones? Uh, uh, you went to Stultorum Magister. Youth is the teacher of the stupid. <laughs> uh, Requiesc got in pocket. You know, rest in peace. And then, yeah. So basically, they're just showing off that they know some Latin from school at some point in their lives. So they were just they were just riffing on each other. They were just saying random things that they had heard. Yeah, random, sort of like vaguely insulting. Like, oh, you know, let a, a gullible person buy you, not me. Or like, you know... Um, Rest in peace is a clear threat. <laughs> they were having a Latin rap battle, basically. Yes, which people actually did in ancient times. You could have this party called a symposium. It was really more of a Greek thing. Like, So in the ancient world where they did not have TV, right, uh, you have to find ways to entertain yourself. And one of those ways is you go have a classy-ish <clears throat> party called a symposium where there's a person called the symposiarch who mixes, who mixes the drinks and like helps control how drunk everybody's going to get. Oh. And then, like, as you get increasingly trashed, you, like, continue to try to spout off lines from poetry or lines of your own and try to show off how smart you are. And there are also some, quote, flute girls, and I'll let y'all just fill in the rest of what that could possibly mean, who might come in at various points in the evening because ancient people partied hard. Uh-huh. It's like uh, the Mandalorian, the flute playing. Um, no, so all right, no, I propose. Like <laughs> <laughs> I propose. I propose at the end of this podcast, we have our own Latin rap battle. Since Liz already knows Latin, Gabby, just start googling Latin phrases now, and at the end, we'll have our own Latin rap. Oh, battle. When you say rap battle, does it have to rhyme? No, because no. Latin doesn't rhyme. It's just got to be cool sayings. It's like a like a a standoff. We'll each throw out our best Latin phrases. And not and not just adding us onto the end of everything. No, you can't. You got to look it up. Just Google it with your Google Meets. <sighs> says the person. Says the person who is named Biggest Dickus in this chat. Just for everyone who. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's my Latin name, and the reason for that is the the reason for that is twofold. One, I won't say is two. I won a game of uh, what game was that that we were playing, Gobby? I think it's Concordia, and I said whoever wins this game. The rest of the day, they have to be f- referred to by their Latin or Roman name. And then 
I won, so I, I then, of course, had to steal. Uh, I doubt you've never won Concordia. I wasn't Concordia then, but whatever I won, I was then dubbed uh, my Latin name. So it's great. So, so yes. to Rome. <laughs> yes, when in Rome, one must. So this is when Rome was Rome really like you know just like I just was reading something reading. <laughs> I just saw on TV somewhere that uh you know when we think of Rome, it's like oh yeah, Caligula orgies everywhere. Was it really that bad, or was that just like a small part of it? It was just a small part of it. So most people, the thing that we, that's really the shame, the big shame of all history up until now, and maybe we don't know, um, is that we don't know anything about, it's not nothing, but we don't know enough about how just normal poor people lived because all we get is the stuff that rich people, typically rich, highly educated men decided to write down. And then, you know, only some of that survives. And then of that, you know, a lot of times you'll keep something that's particularly prurient because we're human or something that's particularly significant because you were teaching it or because you thought it, it had value for the ages. And so, you know, the impressions that we get, there's an article I read once and I was guilty. Uh, it was called the Jerry Springerization of late antiquity, which is like kind of that pre middle ages era, like after the quote fall of Rome, but Rome doesn't really stop just kind of continues and evolves. But like it was talking about how people are just obsessed with the kind of, more more lurid elements of history and all the stories that are more inappropriate and like i'm totally guilty too it's just the most fun part to talk about it doesn't yeah. mean it's the most common thing it just means that it's the part that we all want to talk about <laughs> like the news you know they don't talk about you know the good things that happen they talk about all the stuff that's going to catch people's attention yes exactly it's clickbait clickbait Historian i love a good clickbait, clickbait. I do too, unless it's got too many ads in it. Get to the point. I already clicked your bait. Get to it. <laughs> All right. So moving along. See, this is already much better than the previous podcast. We, uh, let's see. Let's see. Video games, gladiators. I asked you about your book reading schedule. Do you read for hours on end or do you just read in small sections? I read for hours on end. I read like somebody. So I read books the way that like an animal that you haven't fed in a couple days approaches food. Like I read like crazy. Um, I just get into it and I can't stop. My boyfriend knows not to bother me if I'm in the last 50 pages of a book because at that point, like it's about to all wrap up and I do not want to be disturbed. Um, but I've always been a big reader. You know, I was a typically like really uncool, lonely child. So I read a ton and I don't actually regret that now. Um, <laughs> but, you know, reading is a major hobby for me. And it's actually, I love board games, as we'll no doubt discuss. But reading is something I like even better and always have. So I just read a lot. So when people ask, what is the another, another hobby you enjoy, like board gaming, it would be reading for you? Yeah, I mean, so I do like other people's company, but I am also very much an introvert. I like things. I mean, my site's called Beyond Solitaire because I think you can go beyond just playing the boring card game of Solitaire and still entertain yourself. And that could be board games. Uh, I do a ton of jigsaw puzzles uh, and I read a lot. Why did you go with .net? I was curious about that. Because it was cheaper than .com. And I pay 12 bucks a year to renew it through Google domains. Jerry, why didn't we go .net? Uh, because that sounds weird. I like the .com. .com <laughs> sounds like, you know, like you're a business. Like you're trying to communicate the com because that's Latin for communicate. .net, <laughs> as you well know, is, is Latin for trap. 
So that's what the dot trap. So that's that that was my reason. But I may be mis- I may be wrong on that. But that's that's interesting. Uh, so also uh, just FYI at the end with our Latin rap battle, you also have to uh, have a, your gladiator name. Right, so be be looking up what you think your gladiator name shall be. Oh no. That's that's important. You can't have a Latin rap battle without having a gladiator name. And speaking of gladiators, you talked about on a on a top ten list that I think was on that Dice Tower Network with uh, some various members of the other Dice Tower Mafia that one of your favorite games is Hippomachus. I've been interested in that game. I don't know a lot about it. What makes it so highly regarded? So I adore Hoplomachus, partially because I just like a good gladiator fight. It's fun. Um, and then partially because the game mechanics are just really, really good. So it's from Chip Theory, so the production values are really high. Although I also play games that are ugly as sin and do not care. So that's really not the big deal for me. Um, but what Hoplo does that's really great is that you have just such a nice little set of tactical choices with your units. Every gladiator has certain mo- range of movement, certain combinations of dice they can roll, and certain special abilities. and to me, it kind of gives me that same good feeling as maybe like a really good game of Final Fantasy Tactics, which is one of my top video games of all time. So like thinking about where to position your guys and whether you're going to go for the hit and if you're going to use the special ability or like just a regular attack, um, it's great. And the AI for the game as a solo gamer for me is really, really good. So the Lost Cities, which is the first entry in the series, has a very simple boss challenge, basically, which is good. But then in Rise of Rome, which is their second big box release for this game, you have these titans that are like these big bosses that all fight really differently. And they're these big solo challenges that are just tough and difficult. And they make you think about like the parameters of the game and where you can push what you're able to do. Um, so as a game, it's just really, really good. And if you want something smaller scale, they have Origins, which is like little tactical fights. But if you want Hoplo, at this point, I'm pretty sure they've sold out of most of their current run, but they're going to release Hoplomachus Victorum in 2021. And I personally can't wait. They've basically redone the game having learned things as publishers since they released their first game, Hoplo. And Uh I don't do very many previews, but I begged to do a preview of this just because I want to get my hands on it faster. (laughs) Ah, So so you you mentioned video games and Final Fantasy. Is that the the, um, what is it called? The JRPG? Whatever you call that. Is that particular genre that you enjoy yeah i like jrpgs i don't have time to grind it out anymore like i used to you know like let me just get everyone to perfect stats let me do all these pointless battles to level up i used to love that and i still do if i have time um but i also just really like sort of tactical rpgs things like fire emblem or as i mentioned final fantasy tactics i like moving you know characters around on a map or a grid and then using their powers to best effect. This probably explains, right, why I also have ended up liking war and historical games more and more recently. <laughs> because it all just kind of comes together in the end. I, for some reason, I never, I, and I'm, I'm not a big video gamer, but I, I never played Final Fantasy. But I did get into one JRPG, um, the Valkyrie Chronicles. Oh, that's a good one. I got, I, I don't know how I stumbled across it, but it was back in the, back in the PlayStation days, the PlayStation two, I think when the first one come out and I went so far as to get the, I think the third one that was in Japanese only that was for like the PSP. And I, I bought the PSP 
bought the game and had it shipped to me and didn't like got the mod that did like the captions, like, you know, translated what was going on so I could play the game. So I was a big Valkyrie Chronicles one through four fan. And so that's like my only foray into that genre. And so anytime I hear Enrique talking about these RPG games and these various ones, that's, that's the only one that I have any experience in. I don't have enough self-discipline for RPGs. That's well, you, I, you, yeah. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> go no, ahead and no, I, I was about to insult you, and then I stopped because I realized my insult was so horrific. And so I just, I literally was like, no, there's a guest. Reel it in. Reel it in. Now, this why? Notice, why? It, Let your it, true color show, Jerry. Uh, if I had been drinking a little bit more. I uh, probably couldn't have stopped myself, but fortunately, I was going to say, I just, I, I I tried, I tried Red Dead Redemption, like one of the greatest games of all time. And I just got too busy running around on my horse and could never stick to the main story. And I'm just like, I'm just killing time. Like I, I like games more like Last of Us or whatever. It's just a, a linear course. You don't like to grind. No. I do like to explore. So I think Skyrim ended up being, I mean, everybody's played Skyrim a million times, but there's a reason for that. It's just so good. No, I'm a, give me a call of duty. That's, that's where I'm at. That's the, that's the level. That's the type of people you're dealing with. Liz, that's the type of people you're dealing <laughs> with. All right. Okay. So we've, let's see them go down the list here. Video games, we did gladiator stuff. And then I asked, I made a funny joke. I can't remember what it was. Uh, let's see. Board games. Ah, we're, about, we're on to where we could probably now talk a little bit about board games. Uh, I, on one of your previous podcasts on Beyond Solitary, which you had Marco, the former war gamer, now Omni Gamer. Yeah, Marco. You interviewed Marco, and I cannot tell you how much that warmed my heart. Uh, so I thought that I was the only person that watched Marco. <laughs> uh, like... Many years ago, when I was getting back into modern board gaming, I was I, I leaned more towards war games at that time, and he was one of the the premier war game uh, channels on YouTube. And there was something very calming about his voice, like that. He, he's a French and Italian teacher, isn't he? Is he? I believe. Yeah, and he has an Italian accent. Yeah. So there's something very soothing, like ASMR type of stuff. Just listening to him talk about talking about a game, and and he, I, I came to find that his opinion on games and mine ran very similar. And so for the longest time, it was just Marco. I, I listened to Marco for all of my my war gaming needs, and it just it just, I guess over the past year or so, I kind of I, I just kind of fell out. I just not listening to a lot of board game media stuff on YouTube. And he was one that I had just stopped listening to. And then when I was going down through your channel, your, I listened to your interview with him and didn't realize, I guess he wrote a book here recently and he's writing another one. Yeah. So Marco, so you know, he's was, a professor. Uh, so interesting to hear him. Publisher Parish, you know, he writes about narrative in board games. I think the reason he changed his name to Omnigamer is if you look at what he writes about, you know, he likes to talk about Dungeons and Dragons. He loves RPGs. You know, he's got his first design credit now. He just put out Four Against the Great Old Ones, which is in the Four Against Darkness series. You know, Marco likes a good story. And however that emerges, he'll he'll be paying attention. Well, I just think it's interesting. Anyways, that 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 was something that I found interesting on your on your your podcast is that you, you do focus more on war gaming and solo gaming, which is something that I think the dice tower was solely sorely lacking the past few years until they kind of, uh, 
Well, what brought you into the Dice Terror Mafia? So that's, you know, what's interesting is, you know, I started a blog. I was doing my little, my little blog starting actually, oh my God, it's about to be five years old. I started it in 2016, January 2016. I started Beyond Solitaire on it. Uh, I had no idea that this is how it would turn out. And, <laughs> and I, um, you know, I was thinking about making videos. I didn't really know if that was something I wanted to do. I was on Twitter. Sam Healy just put out a thing that said, hey, I'm looking for some more contributors to throw punch lunch. If you think that you might like to, um, then, you know, send me an email. And I was like, well, you know what? No guts, no glory. I'm just going to send him an email. So I did. And he asked for like a little sample clip. And before I knew it, I was doing little clips for, for Throw Punch Lunch every week. And then, you know, Throw Punch Lunch got kind of swallowed up into Board Game Breakfast. And I found that I wasn't very excited to make segments for it anymore, just because you kind of change creatively or, you know, you're just not inspired in one way or another. But I did want to keep doing stuff for Dice Tower. So I emailed Tom and I said, hey, uh, you need a female reviewer and a solo game specific reviewer. This is before they'd hired Mike. And, um, so Tom was like, okay, send me a sample. So they always ask for that apparently, uh, which is good. And then I did. And he was like, okay, yeah, we'll take you on. And we made an agreement and here I am. So I asked. So, yeah. So you just asked, you pleaded to get in. Well, I must say. I that don't the, plead. I just ask. You don't you just ask. <laughs> I just like the fact that they, I, I like that now there is a lot more, um, diversity in the genre of the games that they feature on the dice terror. And I used, I remember watching the dice terror back in the day and solo games and war games were something that was greatly lacking. Like there was nobody who could really give a nice informed opinion on them until you came along. And so I think that really does kind of round out the, it kind of rounds out the, 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 the group there on the dice tower. Yeah, you've got Mike and Z covering some solo stuff, but the truth is, and I have a lot of sympathy for this, if gaming were my full-time job, I don't know how that would impact the games that I play, because if you're trying to cover a certain number of games a week, you don't want to sink hours and hours and hours to a big chunk game that you're not even sure you're going to like. <laughs> and and so, you know, I think that being just sort of a side contributor, as opposed to somebody who's actually at Homestead doing it... Um, I think that helps for me because I can kind of do things at my own pace and I can fart around and take, you know, weeks to learn a game if I want to. And, you know, Tom is really good about giving me the freedom creatively to just cover whatever I want. If I ask him, unless there's something, I mean, I've never, he doesn't tell me no, but I always ask if I feel like I'm going to do something a little edgy. He's like, no, go for it. It's cool. And he's always been really supportive. That one you did with Z and uh, Mike delicious toes. Like y'all had y'all's top tens solos. And, uh, Mike's was, he had Scythe at number 10. I thought forever that was his number one game, or is it just the solo mode? I think if you're ready for solo, it might be different. Well, obviously, Z and Mike are not informed on solo games. I know they think they are, but it, but, but Z. I did not say that. Mm -mm. Well, well, I'm just saying, Z has got that on Nyrum or whatever. Anything that's over 20 minutes, he's kind of, you know, and, and Mike, I mean, you just can't. I'm just saying. Oh, well, I'm just saying what the people are thinking. Well, not, I mean, nobody Liz is tuning top in. Top ten was like number one, Mage Knight, which is like clear across the board, uh, the most respected solo game. Hopla, hop, what was that? Hoplomachus. Hoplomachus. Hey, Hiplomachus. Lord of the Rings, the LCG, oh, hostage negotiation. Like she has all these. Nemo's War, Thunderbolt, Apache Leader, Jerry. Ah, oh, see the see Liz. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. Thunderbolt, Apache Leader is my favorite solo game. 
And it got me through a very hard time in my life because it was at a time where I was, my dad had just died. I was getting back into modern board gaming. I didn't have anybody that would play any crazy board games with me. And that's when I came across the DVG line of games. And so I went down that deep pit of Warfighter and, and Phantom Leader and, and, and just, just those various other games, Field Commander, Napoleon. And I finally came across uh, Thunderbolt Apache Leader and realized what an amazing game that is. Uh, I love just, it. it. It is it is one of those. I, is this it, the one it, where you I cried when one of your uh, pilots died? Yes. I made the mistake of getting on BGG and somebody had put like a file to where you could kind of like all these different spreadsheets and things that you could use to track your pilots. And all your pilots have like the nicknames, you know, like Maverick and stuff like that. Well, on the spreadsheet, that this guy had made up, you could name the pilots like that's their name. And then that's their call sign. And so I went through naming my pilots and doing all this stuff and giving them a backstory. And just, I really went a deep dive into the game. And then I had to, I basically had to sacrifice a pilot and it was extremely emotional. <laughs> and it was one of those games that when I look back, when I look back at that game, it does tell a, it tells, it does tell a story because there is progression. There is an arc. There are, your pilots are lifting up. Some of them, you just have to know, well, this pilot's just not that good. You got to use what you got. And it's just, it's the game. You could, you could play the entire game and then still lose, but still feel like you've won at the same time. You could win the game, but because you sacrifice several of your pilots, it feels like a loss. It's an amazing game. It's an absolute amazing game. And I was pleased to see somebody else talking about it besides myself. No, that game was great. I was so sad to watch it kind of slowly drop and then drop off the People's Choice top list on the, you know, so every year on Board Game Geek, there's like a solo games, you know, it's People's Choice top 100, not top 200 list that's run by Kevin Erskine, who, by the way, is like us. He also loves Thunderbolt Patch Leader and has, he's a man of taste. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, watching all my favorite solo war games just kind of drop off the list is heartbreaking for me because I feel like people don't give war games and historical games a fair shake, either because they look more intimidating and so people don't play or because they don't have that kind of chromey, beautiful Kickstarter look. And so people aren't attracted to them. I don't know what it is, but I feel like a huge component of our community is missing out on just a really great subsection of solo games that are out there. Did, did you ever play the, um, the, the World War II solo only game that came back out, I believe in the sixties and seventies ambush? No. Okay. So that is a game like in the, and I, I and it, it's always being bought and sold on any type of solo war gamer site, but ambush is a game where you lead a patrol of soldiers, you name them, they level up, there's experience points, they gain ranks, the whole nine yards. But it has this really, it, it, it's truly unique because only this line of games have has really done this in, in this way that as you move into a grid, you course roll your dice like an RPG and like do a perception check. And if you fail or, or, or succeed it, look in the book at this paragraph and read this paragraph and enemy scouts show up and things of that nature. So it's one of those games. It's very much a legacy game because once you play through it once, you're pretty well done with it because you know what's going to happen. You know, on this mission, this tank shows up, or if you go here, there's a sniper and things of that nature. But it is an amazing game. And if you like, 
And it, I mean, like literally, it, I think it was made back in the late 60s called and there's Ambush and then Ambush Silver Star. And I think there's an, either another expansion that later come out. But it's a, an amazing line of solo games that that is it's it, it, it is legit. It's ugly. It's it's these old nasty chits and a terrible, terrible combat system that takes a little bit to learn. But man, what an amazing game. That does sound like it'd be right up my alley. You know, one thing I've noticed about myself, and maybe this is weird, unless unless the components are actually bad, bad in some way, like I really do not care if a game's components are cheap or if they are ugly. Or, you know, somebody, um, I just reviewed Stilico, Last of the Romans from Hollandspiel on Dice Tower recently. And somebody was like, oh, is that a prototype? Because it has a paper map. <laughs> I, I don't care. <laughs> if it's a good game, it's a good game. Yeah, uh, I've had, you're talking about people being scared. I've had Pendragon on my shelf for probably three or four years now, yet to be played. Because Jerry took home Cuba Libre, and even that was a little daunting for us. And I just, I have I have both of those, and I, I really want to play them, but I just, uh, I don't know. And I know you have a playthrough, or don't you have a how to play of Cuba Libre? I do not. Although I actually have been thinking, and I have to, I have to make this decision and really stick to it if I'm going to do it, because it would mean putting a bunch of other stuff on hold. But I've been thinking about just like doing a really big tutorial series that's just like the coin games, and really, really, really teaching Cube Libre really hard, and then kind of doing updates of that system for each of the following games. But I have to decide if that's a commitment I want to make. Because I, w- I desperately need you to make that because I don't know if I can read the rule books. You can't. <laughs> I don't know that it would be fun. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, but then I was reading your review of Pendragon. You're like, yeah, this is one of the heavier ends of it. So I think I chose the wrong one, but I just liked it because it was, you know, the fall of the Roman Empire. So I picked it up and had yeah. to play it. Pendragon is a great game historically. It's just a monster. Um, and, you know, Morgan Guglielmi, the designer, she is really, really into this period of Roman history. And you're really, you know, you're in good hands with the game. It's just that it's also really, really, really difficult. And she's so funny because she'll be like, why are people so intimidated by these coin games? It's like, Morgan, have you seen your rule book? <laughs> <It's a> <laughs> so is there a game right now that, like uh, you said, uh, I guess it was on sporadically board. You were talking about how it was whenever that was. You're like Castles of Burgundy. The dice game was like one you were just like going back to because it's quick and easy. Is there is there one right now that you're like just playing a bunch because it's super accessible or just easy to pick up and play? I've been playing a ton of Stilico Last of the Romans because I did just review it, but I also really liked it and I like that game system. And once it's kind of in your head to do it, it's just a real easy game to pick up and do. Um, but actually, one thing that's going to be a challenge for me in terms of my, I guess, video flow going forward is that, so I have some light stuff to play through and review still, but I'm going to run out. I just am not buying very many lighter games at this point. And I'll still go back and play like Onirim or um, I'll go play Orchard or, you know, there are plenty of smaller games that I have and enjoy. But in terms of newer things that I'm picking up, it's just not really a priority for me right now. Like I'm super interested in the historical aspects of games 
And it's really changing the way that I play and the way that I purchase. And, you know, I have to think about what that's going to mean for, you know, people like, oh, on YouTube, you should put out a video a week or like, oh, you should do this or that. I don't know how you should do that when you're playing something that took hours to learn and hours to play. <laughs> yeah. Have you, uh, the one I like right now that's probably my go-to is Raiders of Scythia. Like the little solo on it is just super smooth to me. And I used to play uh, the Raiders of the North Sea all the time, but uh, it's gone now. Uh, Raiders of Scythia is my new one. Ooh, I should try that. The way they had the little AI card set up was very nice. Like, uh, did you play North Sea solo? No, I never did. That's a mic thing. Okay. So, uh, yeah, they had this little thing you had to purchase in addition to, and it like unfolded four different directions. You're like, you had to like figure out which direction you're supposed to go with the rules. It wasn't super complicated, but it was an, an annoyance. And they fixed that with this uh, iteration of the game. And yeah, it's good. I enjoy it, but it's a, it's a much simpler uh, type of game. But I find that most of my solo games are like, they're the multiplayer games that have a solo on them. Uh, but Jerry did just bring me over this Warp's Edge. Yeah. Ooh, that's a kindness he's done you. You better play yeah, that. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to playing that. It's really good. It's really good. It killed coffee roasters for me in Same. terms of just bag building. I like coffee roasters. Unfortunately, it has a really good app. And I don't play a lot of games on my phone. And so if an app kind of catches my attention and really does a good job, it, it's it's rare that I, I, I continue to play it. But the app for Coffee Roasters kind of killed it for me. And now that I, that Warp's Edge is just, it, it does everything right uh, uh, in terms of that whole mechanic and how you utilize those chits and fight. And it's just very nice. I, I, I'm shocked by how much I liked it. Yeah, I really like Warp's Edge. I think that as in terms of bag building, I feel like that's the new standard to hit. Um, I don't know what they could have done better. It's it's just really, really good. Although I think that we'll see what could have been done better. Like I suspect that the expansions will add variety that we didn't think of yet. That'll be really fun. I thought the art was a little drab to me, but then again, I, I'm, I was nitpicking it you know, trying to find something wrong with it. And, and that's it. The insert was great. Everything else about it was just, was, was really good. They kind of went over the top with the, having the little narrative book that helps you pick your enemies and your ship and all that. But I, I think that, well, as we've seen now with more games that are coming out that all have a solo variant that it's obvious that the game was developed with some sort of solo mode in mind. Do you think that's going to be the new norm from now on? Now that we see that there are more and more people playing games or buying games based on whether or not they have a solo variant. I think it depends. So, you know, you're never going to have something like, I don't know, fury of Dracula, the solo game. Uh, but, <laughs> but um, you know, I do think that, um, Solo gaming has been something that's kind of increasing in market share for a long time. I think that it was already becoming hotter before COVID hit. And now that COVID has hit, it's again, kind of changed the ecosystem a little bit. Um, I think that it was already a trend to try to shoehorn a solo mode in, and now it's going to be even more likely. I will say that I'm not 100% sure how excited I am about that because I really get pissed off when I play a solo game and the solo mode is like an afterthought or like a paler, weaker version of the multiplayer. Like I have no interest in a weak sauce solo mode 
that's just there to pander to me. Like, I want an actually good, thoughtful solo game. And so it'll be interesting to see if that also means that, you know, we get a glut of solo games that just aren't that hot, which I do think happens periodically. Um, you know, it's it's a good thing because it's this is the best time ever yet to be a solo gamer um, because the market is kinder to us than it's ever been. But with that, there comes the price of lots of games that are just kind of bloat. Uh, there is a lot of bloat. And I, I am one of those people that I do purchase my games based on whether or not they have a solo mode and often irritates me because I see that one to four players and I think, aha, this is going to be good. And there have been several games that I have purchased played, enjoyed the multiplayer, but have been just really distraught to find out that the solo mode in them was an afterthought and that it just doesn't have it either to play it. It's the typical, okay, get to this score. Okay. You got that score. Okay. Next time, try to beat your score or some variant of that, or or it's so complicated that to simulate another player, you have to go down this very comp. Well, yeah, well on Mars. Um, you have to go down and do this very complicated algorithm. Uh, to, to your note about uh, Fury of Dracula, I was shocked to see. Uh, I don't particularly like hidden movement games. Gobby does a lot. And have you played Black Sonata? Oh, yeah. That game is amazing. I love Black Sonata. I think Black Sonata is one of those games that in terms... It, it's another one of those games that if it had been a multiplayer game or or, or somehow... If if multi- solo games had been more popular at the time of its release, this game would have been looked upon as a work of art. It is a hidden movement game where you're the only player, where you're trying to find this one person and then deduce who it is. It is amazing. And that deck of cards of how it simulates the movement, everything about that game is just well done. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing these other mechanics get refined Kind of like how hidden what Black Sonata did to hidden movement, and how these Automa decks have kind of done the same thing uh, for uh, worker placement games. I'm looking forward to seeing if we're going to come up with new mechanisms that rework games to make them soluble and give you that experience. I would, I, I think we've seen that with a lot of war games, but some of the war games that we have out there are so complicated. I, I still have. Um, is it Fields of Fire? I still have that game on my my shelf. I've set it up several times trying to play it, and it's just it's I, it's frustratingly tedious and nitpicky on how you're doing everything and with the rules. And you have to watch like a two hour long video just to even learn the the basic mechanics of it. I think once we get to where we can kind of dumb down the rules Go of war gaming to where we have some have some yes to have some entry level war games and then work your way up i think that's one of the reasons that it's so hard to get into solo war gaming is that it's hard to find good entry level games to recommend to people that look decent and uh aren't are in print well do i have some snake oil for you i don't know (laughs) 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 no seriously though uh i actually think that that's an area where war gaming is changing in really good ways um you know, David Thompson alone, his output over the last few years has been phenomenal in terms of accessible solo war games. If you have not played something like Castle Itter, which is where I'd maybe start with his Valiant Defense series, um, uh, or Pavlov's House, those are both really, really excellent, simple, 
war games that are very well researched and very steeped in their historical setting as well. And they're great. Highly recommend. Um, I, of course, just recommend the Silico Last of the Romans from Hollandspiel. That's a very accessible. It's basically, what do you do with your cards? Do I play this card for an action or do I play this card for the event on the card? It's very familiar to anybody who's played, you know, another kind of hobby game, but it's a war game. And, you know, there's more and more and more of those emerging onto the scene. I think it's going to change. David Thompson, I, I, I've played pa- Pavlov's Half, and I, I really like it. It's, it's it's an excellent game. He's the owner um, of Wendy's, right? Yes, he's absolutely. He's, that's, he's also the designer of um, oh oh, what's that game you like? Undaunted. Uh, Undaunted ah. is, and War Chest. Undaunted and War Chest is 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 ah. David Thompson. War Chest was interesting. Yeah. So he, I mean, he, and it's, it's designers like that, even like Daniel Turksey, mm-hmm. uh, who did the solo, he does a lot of solo variants for some games. He did the solo variant for Blitzkrieg and I loved Blitzkrieg as a two player game. And I thought this is not going to work as a solo game. And then I looked at it and there's this little algorithm and you do this, if this is this, I'm like, Oh, I'm not going to like this. I really got into playing the solo of Blitzkrieg. Because after a while, that algorithm made sense. It was basically telling me the AI is always going to make the best move. And so if you don't know what the best move is, do this. Because it's always going to go after this one thing. And it works out. And I, I'm, I was shocked by how quick and easy it was to learn the solo for Blitzkrieg and how much I enjoyed it. And so th- there's just a lot of games out there, I think, that are really catching on to the fact that if you put the effort into making your game have a nice solo experience that people like me will buy it and will play it solo and then, you know, advance on to playing it with other people. I mean, there, there are a lot of two to four player games that I have sitting on my shelf right now that I haven't, I, I haven't played. I haven't taken the time to learn them. And if they had a solo variant, I probably would have. Oh yeah. Well, for me, you know, because I'm, I do like a lot of war and historical games, especially more these days, but really technically I'm an Omni gamer. I will play pretty much anything and I can appreciate almost anything, but I had to limit myself somehow. So I limited myself by solo games. If it doesn't have a solo mode, I probably not going to buy it unless I really think it's worth it for my classroom. And uh, yeah. And if the solo mode is bad I'm going to rip it on dice tower and then trade it on. So there you go. um Uh, uh, due to the me wasting 20 minutes of our time uh, on the first recording, non-recording, uh, I actually had plans I needed to leave about at 1034, 2.30, I mean, our time. Um, so I have my uh, antonym game that uh, is uh, what we uh, play with uh, our guest and Jerry, um, where, you know, what the synonym games where you, I want to say the antonym of a game. For instance, what was one you remember, Jerry? Uh, I don't remember any of them because I, this is the first podcast I've done in a while for which I wasn't drinking. Uh, okay. Okay. So like, this, is, this is like the first sober podcast I've done in months. The, <laughs> why are you sober? <laughs> uh, well, one, because Liz Davidson and I wanted to actually have an intelligent conversation with someone who which could return the favor. Oh. Not saying that our other guests are not that intelligent, but I mean, come on. 
if you get a chance to drink with Ben Maddox, you drink with Ben Maddox. Um, and you know, Mike Delicitos, but no, that, and plus, you know, it's one o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> it's never stopping on a it Sunday. Somewhere. On a Sunday. So, uh, so, so for instance, a famine for Frigg. Feast for Odin. Right. One point. <laughs> no. Uh, I'll be horrible at this so y'all can have a good laugh at my So uh, I will give you a, uh, and I, I'm, I'm trying to pick some that, you know, are pretty well known and that you would have, you know, be aware of. So I will give the antonym and then ring in with your name. First person, best of seven. I was saying, I'm who I got here, actually. Oh, man, I already surrendered on this. Hell. We'll get best of five. <laughs> I'll go best of five. Okay. So three, three wins. <laughs> okay. The first one is I'll go over rising ground. Over. <laughs> I want to drink now. <laughs> mm. <laughs> what, what would be the antonyms to over? Biggest. <laughs> no. That's my that's my name, my Roman name, biggest. Uh Airland and Sea? Nope. Heroes of Airland and Sea? Nope. Biggest. Uh, oh. Hang on a second. I don't so, say it again. rising ground? Yeah. What's the exact opposite of that? Somewhat. Uh it's it's uh it's a uh, underfalling. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Oh, she didn't ring in with. Oh, never mind. Well, it was my turn anyway. You already blew your shot (laughs) several times. This does not please biggest. (laughs) Well, you can be smallest now. Here we go. (laughs) He's been deflated. (laughs) Oh no, this is not New England Patriots sort of deal, is it? (laughs) Y'all collude over there. (laughs) (laughs) My only fans. Okay, the second one would be <laughs> It's a terrible heavens. It's a terrible heavens. Oh, Jerry. Uh-huh. It's a wonderful life. No! Very close to <laughs> Oh, dude, Jerry, it's a wonderful world. It's a wonderful world. It's a wonderful world. How many times are you gonna ring in? How is world Here. the opposite of I heaven? I don't know. What are y'all on? That's the opposite of heaven is hell. I was trying. Okay, well, what is the opposite of world? <laughs> space. space. It's a wonderful space. <laughs> Heaven's Liz, I'm so sorry. Liz, I'm so sorry. This game sucks. <laughs> I'm having a good laugh about it. It's, <laughs> I, I, isn't the point of playing games with other people just to trash talk and be ridiculous anyway? I, I, I think so. Okay. Okay, so it was an option, but I chose to go with their many suggestions. I went with heavens. I was like, yeah, heaven world. Now that I'm saying it out loud, it does seem not quite right. All right, next one. The, well, this one's going to be, okay. Remembered land. Liz? Yes. Um, land, oh crap. Forgotten space uh, jerry so, jerry i don't know i've it's, I've, I've given it out of my head and i think it was the wrong one go ahead jerry for uh uh oh it's forbidden desert there's no forgotten desert crap uh <laughs> land 
Oh, Forgotten Waters. Yeah. Forgotten Waters. That's what it was. Forgotten oh yeah, Waters. I was like, is that a game? Yeah. Like, what is that? I, I feel yeah. like I've seen that title like on Twitter once. Oh, what is, what game yeah. is that? It's, uh, it's like some story kind of game. Is it a crossroads type thing? It's a, okay. Yeah, it's a crossroads game. Yeah. Okay, it's listed as for three to seven players. Although the community says one to seven. Is this? It has a solo. Apparently, I don't know how you would do it, but. It might be one of, one hmm. of those quote unquote solos. I'm winning. Okay, one more. I should play this game sober more often. <laughs> okay. The Devil Mother. The Godfather? Jerry? The Godfather? Yes. That's got to be it. Yeah. Okay. 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 That, that, I would like to say that this game was very anticlimactic. <laughs> And certainly That's what not happens when you name yourself biggest dickus. You know, you're just setting yourself up for failure, for a flaccid end. We. <laughs> That's our favorite word. That's a word of our podcast. Oh, hey, we got to do our we got to do our Latin rap battle. I hope you prepared. I.e., we're googling things and not paying attention during the podcast. Oh no! Well, I'll wing it, but I'm not worried about that. All right, Gabby, <laughs> are you ready? All right, so the purpose of this is to utilize your best Latin insults or any other Latin sayings that you can happily Google and uh, launch them at somebody else. And so I'll start. Mine is Ascendo Tunum, which I think means up yours. (laughs) I don't know if I said that right. Uh, Close enough. A skin, no, like if you're going church Latin, then it's fine. <laughs> That's what I was going for. Church Latin. We'll just, we'll just go with that. We'll take a it. Ascendo tunum. Up yours, priest. <laughs> church Latin. <laughs> I, I don't have, I don't, right. I don't know how to do this. So I'm out. Just look up Latin insults. Look up <laughs> Latin insults. All right. Latin insults. <laughs> you have the power of the internet at your fingertips. All right, Liz, give us one. You know what? I'll just use a classic. You are a pumpkin, which seriously <laughs> was an insult. <laughs> they actually, there was like a satire about the Emperor Claudius after he died. It was called the pumpkinification, the apocalypsintosis. <laughs> like, I don't know what the fixation on pumpkins is. When we're off air, I will teach you a Latin insult that is so appalling that I will not say it on air. <laughs> Wow! Leave leave the recorder running, Gabby. Don't make a good call. Oh, all right, Gabby, do you got one? Uh, you fun guy. What fun guy? Fungi. Sorry about mushrooms. Yeah, that's Latin. <laughs> Nugas Gaudis, you are talking trash. I've got another one here. This is a long one. Are you ready? It's Mater Tun Tam Obisa Est Unt Cum ah. Rome Est Herbs Habat Octo Calis. Ah, that is a your mom joke. There, there is that is not supposed to be an S. That's supposed to be sit. But yes, Mater Tua, your mother, Tom Obisa Est. Your mother's so fat. Ut that Cum Rome Sit when she is at Rome or Habat Octo Calis. The city has eight. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's right. Your mama's so fat when she's in town. Rome has eight heels. Oh, uh, I'm getting good at this. How about this one? Mater tua, Tom de Formosa asked. Your mother is so ugly. 
Ut, uh, Medusa in Soxum fit. That Medusa is turned to stone. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> no offense to all the moms who we all really like. I would say Liz wins, Jerry. <laughs> okay, well, I'm obviously, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying that this is this is this is how we should start every one of our episodes uh, from here on out, teaching a little bit of Latin. That's Would what you, you like a call. very inappropriate reading recommendation? Yes. There is a special orange dictionary. It is entitled The Latin Sexual Vocabulary. It does not, my copy does not ever, ever go into my classroom for obvious reasons. Uh, it is by J.N. Adams, and it is literally a book about dirty words in Latin and their use. And it, there's, a, there's an entire entry about like the different kinds of fart, including like silent but deadly versus like a loud thunderclap sort of fart. <laughs> silent thunder, that's Jerry. Gabi, you could you could tell fart jokes in Latin Nobody. utilizing this this sensual dictionary of Latin sexual terms. I taught my students a word for fart this year. We watched like we did this thing called movie talks where like we'll show like a film that doesn't have a lot of dialogue and we'll pause it a lot and talk. And I had one of people try to figure out who farted in an elevator and 100 percent taught that who this farted? year. And I had an administrator come in and it was the first time I've gotten more than one exceptional rating on my on my valuation. So I'm just going to take that. <laughs> mm. This has been a rather highbrow podcast. This is a, uh, this has been a lot of fun, Liz. We'll have to, we'll have to have you back on he to, uh, farted. What? Key possum farted. That's what Google says. Who farted is. Oh no. Actually, if you tell someone, fuck me, he fartum, you were telling them, make for me a sandwich, a pot him fartum. Weird. Also, the word for old lady in Latin is anus, A-N-U-S. So you better believe I make up stories about people's grandma all the time. (laughs) Oh, speaking of which, um, we had attended an anniversary party one time that some uh, English-speaking friends tried to throw for some Spanish-speaking friends. And they had written... Like happy one year anniversary, which is años, that mm-hmm. little squiggly mark that makes the big difference in the world. So basically, we threw them a happy anus party, is what it ended up being. I'm sure the Romans would have understood a lot about what would happen. <laughs> well, <laughs> all right, well, I'm you gotta go. Oh, you gotta go. Okay. Well, Liz, it's been great having you on. Thank you for uh, uh, educating us on all these Latin phrases. And I'm but sure this is this has enriched our listeners in more way than one. Uh, and, oh yes, absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> I, I apologize for the uh, wasted twenty minutes of your life. No, no. Time with fun people is never wasted. We should do this again if y'all are up for it at some point. Definitely. Yes, next time you next time you find us, we will be at least uh, moderately versed in Latin. I assure you, we'll be ready next time. <laughs> I'll even help you if you want. <laughs> oh, we're good. We're good. But, uh, all right, Gabby, sign us off. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Board Game Snobs. Thank you very much, uh, Liz Davidson, for coming on. Check out Beyond Solitaire.
podcast, Beyond Solitaire uh, YouTube, where you can learn how to play things solo, um, Dice Tower solo reviews, all things Liz Davidson, uh, a true internet titan. Thank you, Liz. Thanks for having me, y'all. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Board Game Snobs. Stay classy. 